Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Angela Walters Rockwell. Angela, for the past five years, has been the executive director of the Animal Shelter Assistance Program. ASAP works in partnership with the Santa Barbara Municipal Shelter and takes care of approximately 1,000 cats and kittens each year. We are extremely innovative and have fully integrated feline behavior considerations into all of our program and service areas, most notably our Tiny Lion Tamers Program which is featured in the July-August 2016 HSUS Animal Sheltering Magazine. Angela has served in many capacities at ASAP over her 12-year relationship with the organization, including working in the TNR program, veterinary, and serving as the president of the board of directors for many years before accepting the position as executive director. She's currently serving as an appointed member of the oversight team working to revamp Santa Barbara County Animal Services. ASAP is a volunteer-based organization with over 250 active volunteers and fosters and only seven paid employees. ASAP is an open admission shelter with an annual true live release rate of 94%. However, based on Asilomar standards, the live release rate is actually 100% for all adoptable, treatable cats and kittens. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very happy to be here. So, Angela, how did you get started in animal welfare and being involved with community cats? My previous life, my previous career was in environmental work, and that's what my background was in. And when I moved to Santa Barbara about 13 years ago, I literally walked into the ASAP Cat Shelter just wanting to volunteer. And I think as probably most of our listeners know, that is a slippery slope into (laughs) full-time work. I loved animals. I didn't know much about Santa Barbara, but I wanted to be involved in the community. And I just started volunteering. And within, you know, probably a year or two, I was increasingly involved, was on the board of directors. And there's been pretty much no area of the organization I haven't worked in in the past, you know, dozen years. But the last five, I'm very proud to be their first executive director they hired. And the organization is just growing fantastically, broadening our reach beyond Santa Barbara County. So we have a lot to be excited about and proud of. And it sounds like you have a large program. So do you have a large shelter facility or is that done in partnership with Santa Barbara Animal Services? We actually have a physical shelter, and it's an interesting relationship with the County of Santa Barbara. About 10 years ago, ASAP actually raised the money and built a shelter, but we built it on county property and then donated it back to the county because prior to that, they really didn't have much of a shelter that was dedicated for cats. ASAP actually was founded 27 years ago, and so over this past 27 years, we've been involved with the county in joint projects. Like I said, we built the actual physical shelter we have now. It's our primary adoption center, as well as our primary housing for the cats. Although we do have a very large kitten foster program, and most of our kittens stay out in foster care until they're ready for adoption. So you've touched upon your kitten foster program, and you have a program about tiny lions. So I'm assuming that's a deferralizing program or a socialization program. Could you share with us the details on that? 
We are so excited about our Tiny Lion Tamers. This program was born of necessity. You know, we get really creative during times where there's a tremendous amount of stress and we really don't know what we're going to do with so many animals. Our shelter's in the southern part of Santa Barbara County, but the north part of Santa Barbara County has a really high feral cat population, free-roaming cat population. It's more agricultural and rural. And the primary organization that was doing TNR work up there is closing its doors. And so last year, we started kind of coming together as a community to figure out how we were going to fill that gap in the absence of of a strong TNR group. And so ASAP, as part of our contribution to this, agreed to take on increasing fostering for the kittens that were coming out of trapping projects and the queens if the kittens still needed to be with the queens. And so at one point last year, we got a transfer in a single day of about 30 non-social kittens. I mean, our shelter was already filled to the brim with our own kitten intakes and all during the summer. And we're kind of sitting there looking, going, what are we going to do? Because not all fosters can handle less social kittens. We have been building this feline behavior program and incorporating aspects of feline behavior into our shelter management over the past few years. And so we had started working on a kind of a a one-on-one foster basis with teaching fosters socialization techniques, but we never tried to really do it within the shelter. But we knew with the volume of kittens coming in, there was no way we could send all of them out to foster care. So literally in a day and within 24 hours, we reconfigured the shelter. We were very fortunate not to have a lot of upper respiratory. So we turned what was our old sick bay into our tiny lion's room. We put out a call to volunteers that was just kind of a hoot. We were like, you know, have you ever dreamed of being a lion tamer? Well, now's your chance with the two pound version. We had this overwhelming response. We had like 28 volunteers show up for the first training. We ran tiny lion sessions six days a week. And it was really the first large scale in shelter socialization program. The kittens vary in terms of, you know, how old they are and what kind of backgrounds they came out of and how quickly they turned around. But some of them within two weeks were out on the adoption floor. Some of the kittens that were a little bit older and a little bit more wild took more time, but it's been one of our most successful programs. We use non-force, non-flooding techniques. Everything is about positive reinforcement and allowing the kittens to choose to have the human interaction. So you're using food and play and those ways of trying to change the behavior of the kittens rather than wrapping them up in the towel. Absolutely. We really want the kittens to seek human interaction versus learning to tolerate it. And there's a really big difference in terms of how those kittens will grow up and have future relationships with humans. It is interesting over the years of the many feral cat foster homes that I've worked with with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, everybody wants to have a different approach. I think everything's becoming a lot more play focused, a lot more food focused, finding the carrots that are going to work to change the behavior of the cats, which I think is great. One other idea that was just thrown out a few days ago is the concept of actually having the kittens go into their adoptive home, find an adoptive home that would be like a foster home, but yet the foster home becomes the adoptive home and doing a reduced fee adoption for those kittens and advise them, but then And those kittens are going to bond with their adoptive family. So it actually takes a step out of the process. So it's an interesting concept. Right. And I think that it's easier to do with the kittens that are more quickly socialized. You know, one of the things that we found in trying to do the in-shelter work is that 
having the kittens contained in cages gives you a captive audience, but it also gives the kitten a safe place. Their cage is a safe place, so they're allowed to retreat. And the time it takes to socialize in the shelter versus in foster is actually much shorter. The kittens are getting habituated to different people that are coming through. Both men and women are active in the program. Children are active in the program. So they're not just feeling safe with their one person who's in their family, but they're getting exposed to a lot of different people, which is also great. Do you have a specific age cutoff or do you do it based on sort of evaluating what you got walking through the door? Younger kittens are obviously much easier. Anything under two months tends to come around very quickly. The two to three months is a little bit more challenging. And then when you start getting up into four months, you know, their brains are changing. And those windows of time when they're learning social behaviors are becoming much narrower and it becomes much more challenging. So if we get what we call teenagers, so anywhere from four to six month old kittens that are not social, if they don't fairly quickly show us signs that they're interested in human interaction, we will not attempt to socialize them. We'll look for an alternative placement for them. I mean, we have amazing people working in our behavior program, and I think they could socialize anything. But, you know, the reminder I put out to them is just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we should not assume that human companionship is for every cat. It doesn't automatically add quality to their life if they don't choose it. That's a great line and something I think we all should remember oftentimes. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats Podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. So the Tiny Lions program, how many kittens approximately a year are you handling through this program or when did it start specifically? Well, it just started last summer. I think everybody's experiencing kitten seasons that don't end anymore. But by the time that season ended, we were still having tiny lions from last season in January. We had about 128 graduates just from what we kind of considered last season. And then we had a little bit of a break for the first few months of this year. And then we've started the program back up again. And we've probably got about 35 in the shelter right now that are part of the program. And then a few out in foster care. But we've already had graduates this year that are in their new homes. And what's so fun about it is their adopters wouldn't ever know they were part of the Tiny Lions program if we didn't tell them. Because when they come to the shelter and they interact with them, they're just like like regular kittens that grew up in a home environment. And we do give them a little background and handout because, you know, sometimes they need a little bit more adjustment time to a new home. But for the most part, they're just like any other bouncing super social kitten. Yeah, I mean, every cat and kitten, I feel, has their isms. We're all unique and different. And I think if you have bottle babe kittens, you have to identify a few issues that they might come up with when they get adopted. 
I find they have a prevalence towards chewing on things and sometimes have a very strong behavior towards people because they're very used to being around people and maybe a little bit more demanding. Every cat and kitten, the profile is not the same. And when you have a kitten, you are developing this new personality. So it's just to make sure that everybody is working together so that then everybody becomes a happy family. Right. We say we like to raise socially competent kittens that are going to grow up to be socially confident and competent adult cats. And there's a lot of factors in that. And, you know, you mentioned the bottle babies. You're probably familiar with the concept of Tarzan kitten when single orphan kittens are raised alone and they don't learn how to be socially competent cats. And so they bite too hard. They play too rough. They just have what can be unmanageable behaviors as they get older. And we have a foster home where we have a Papa Foster cat who when we have a Tarzan kitten who just needs a little whoop ass on him, you know, he needs somebody to teach him the rules. We'll send him out for a couple of weeks. He's a neutered male cat, but he was an intact Tom when he came into our shelter and he has become the best Papa foster cat. His name is Vader. And we're like, okay, yep. Bruno needs to go spend a couple of weeks with Vader. (laughs) And we have videos of it. And, you know, we'll see these kittens and they start trying to engage in really rough play and Vader will just pin them down. He doesn't hurt them, but he just pins them down or he gives them a whack. And within a really short period of time, they learn much faster from the cat than they could from us. That's funny. We've seen many, many neutered male cats that love the kittens in our kitten room. They're like the big brother of everybody and they enjoy it so much. So it's great to see the different relationships. The organization that I was with for 20 years, we have a cageless facility. It's been open since 2003. So we've had a lot of different learning curves about kittens and how they respond in a cageless environment. I mean, we do have some caged areas to help keep cats and kittens that want to feel safe that they can, but yet there's also a cage-free component. Tell me a little bit more about your organization. So you have this great kitten program. How do you handle FIV positive and feline leukemia positive cats? We have a really great adoption program for FIV positive cats and have for many, many years. Sometimes they may take a little bit longer to get adopted, but there's always somebody that falls in love with them. And it's really interesting because they seem to be the sweetest cats. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about them. We do not adopt out leukemia positive cats. We feel pretty strongly that we want to eradicate that in our community. And we don't see a lot of it. A little bit more coming in from the North County because the demographic of the cats up there is different than the South County. But we're very lucky that we don't see a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, if you have an area where you have very high rates of spay-neuter at the free-roaming cat level, we never see it. We hardly ever see it, I would say, in the 10 service area towns that we assist. So the feline leukemia positive cats that we take in actually are from outside of our service area. And we adopt those out during the course of the year. So we've had a pretty good success rate with that, which has been really nice for those cats. But it's a tough decision, and it's a decision that everybody has to be on board with. So it sounds like you have a very large volunteer corps. We do. We have over 300 active volunteers and fosters right now on our roster, and it's growing. Our organization is heart and soul volunteers. Volunteers come into the shelter and do all of the primary cat care, feeding and cleaning, two shifts a day, 365 days a year. We have volunteer crews that specifically love to come in on holidays. That's how they spend their Thanksgiving or their Christmas or New Year's holidays. And we just couldn't do it without them. It's amazing. There are volunteers involved in every aspect 
aspect of our organization. You know, we have virtual volunteers that don't ever come into the shelter, but do different tasks. And then we have volunteers who, you know, are there every single week cleaning litter boxes. And we also have a management structure that we started a couple of years ago, which I just love because we have so very few staff and we have so many program services. We created eight different programs within the organization that range from our wellness and veterinary to our behavior, to our outreach adoptions. And we have paid staff, program directors sitting side by side with volunteer program directors. And so our volunteers are involved in the upper level management of the organization. One of the growing pains that I have seen with smaller organizations is when you start bringing on paid staff and you're used to having volunteers in very operational roles and leadership roles within operations and how to balance out that volunteer and employee relationship as the organization grows and has to become more professionalized. So that sounds like a really nice picture to have solid management and sustainability because also you have to worry about is what if somebody gets Get sick or somebody has to leave their position. So you have cross training going on too. Right. It is absolutely a challenge. And when I started as executive director five years ago, we really only had a couple of paid staff. And so we have been over the past five years, as you said, really professionalizing the organization, creating more structure and more definition in the different programs so that you're not in a lurch if one key person all of a sudden has something come up in their life and they have to leave. There's growing pains associated with it, but we're really open. At the last program director's meeting, I had a frank conversation because we're planning on hiring a couple of new people. And I want to make sure that everybody at the table feels valued. And as you bring on paid staff, you don't want anybody who's donating a tremendous amount of their time and energy to feel undervalued in any way because they're not paid. So we talk about it. And I think having the open conversation really helps. Angela, I think we could talk like all afternoon. (laughs) I feel like I've just touched the tip of the iceberg here, but we're actually closing in on time here. So if there are people interested in finding out more about the Tiny Lions program, how could they find you or reach out to your organization? So our website is asapcats.org. So asapcats.org. There's a contact us tab, shoot us an email. My email is director at asapcats.org. And I welcome anybody to contact me with any questions or if they wanted more information. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think that for community cats, it takes a community. If you love cats and you want to contribute something, there's always something you can do. It doesn't have to be going in physically to the shelter. Every single nonprofit has administrative stuff, has foster needs, has errands that need to be run. And there's so many different ways to contribute. And it takes all of us together to really make a difference. So don't hesitate. Contact your local rescue group. That's what I say. Just get your foot in the door and you'll find your path. I mean, I never knew when I walked into the adoption center at 1994 with my bag of cat food and my bag of litter, (laughs) feeling like I was saving the world. I went in there and I was just like, oh, there's so much more that can be done. Everybody's doing the best they can right now, but I could see that there was much more that could be done and eventually was done. If you're alone, it's a brutal career to be in. Being alone in animal welfare, I think, is the toughest thing around. You need to have support. You need to have people, and you need to be working together. Angela, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Great. Thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone.